there's so many fantastic coaches and gurus out there who give a lot of great advice as far as ways to help grow your confidence. But from my perspective, you can only utilize those tools when you're at a certain level. If you're stuck on the side of inadequacy and you're trying to make that leap across, that's a huge jump. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I talk with a woman who is a writer, a burn survivor, former Miss Nevada, a self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist, and a pop journalist who has interviewed some of the biggest celebrities and high-profile achievers out there. And we talk about a subject that I think gets far too often misunderstood, confidence. Today's interviewee is Hillary Billings. Let me start by asking you a question. Do you consider yourself a confident person? And if so, what has made you this way? If you feel confident in one area of your life, does that translate to every other area? Are there some areas where you wish you had more confidence than you do? What makes a person confident? And if you wouldn't necessarily classify yourself as a confident person, my question for you is what gets in the way of feeling more confident? What would life be like for you if you had a little bit more confidence in yourself? Hillary and I talk about all of this and more. I share with her some real areas where I struggle with confidence. I let her coach me. And I have to be honest, I have some real aha moments here in this episode with Hillary. My hope is that you can have some of these aha moments too. If you struggle with confidence, if you find yourself wishing that you felt a little better about yourself in one area of your life or another, or if you feel like the only thing that's getting in the way of you and a goal is the confidence to go after it, you're going to love hearing from Hillary as much as I did. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, Hillary Billings. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here, Allison. Thank you for having me. I want to start with the question that we always start with on these episodes, which is to you, what does it mean to find your voice? To me, finding your voice is totally tied 100% to finding your authentic confidence, Mm. finding that confidence within yourself. There's so much noise out there surrounding us at all times. And especially for women, I think that we're constantly going out to seek approval and that external validation. And we're trying to live it right. And we're trying to keep all those balls in the air. And one, it's impossible. And two, it can just really cloud your judgment and being able to hear yourself and hear your intuition. So for me, my journey to confidence has been so integral in me finding my voice and finding that power and being able to stand Mm -hmm. firm and being able to share the messages that I believe in and doing it in the way that I feel comfortable with and that I have a vision for and that I want to live my life in without having to worry about what else is going on around me or the opinions of others and whether or not they approve of that. And there's such a power in that. 
I totally agree with you. I couldn't agree more. I also, knowing you mostly from a distance, you and I have never met in person. We'll change that. We're going to change that. Sound. No, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to fix that. Looking at your Instagram, looking at you from a distance, I can tell you're this very accomplished woman. You're a former Miss Nevada. You've interviewed all these celebrities. You're used to being on camera. You present yourself really well. So, you know, in that sense, I can see that you've had this, that you, you present yourself or you appear to be this very confident woman, but I'm assuming that you haven't always felt as confident as you look from a distance. So can you talk to us about like the journey to confidence and what that's looked like for you? Oh yeah. I mean, first of all, all those things that you just rattled off were accidents. I had no intention (laughs) of getting into any of them. (laughs) And sometimes I think that life just works out that way because otherwise you'd sabotage yourself. Yeah, my life has all been about overcoming adversity and learning to to trust myself along the way. And I have had a life riddled with battling perfectionism. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. I I've struggled with inadequacy for, you know, years. Mm. And I think that that's something that a lot of women can relate to. But even just as early as, you know, being a teenager, I, I grew up in a, a household where there was a lot of, and I, I think a lot of children right now are actually going through this, which is kind of unique because at the time it felt like a very isolated thing where I was helping to financially support my family with my, my job at 15, helping to pay the mortgage on the house. And so being in the space, you know, I was going to this private school and, and being around a lot of kids that came from means. And knowing that every month it was a question of, are we going to you know, be able to keep our house and living with that stress? You know, there's a lot of, of feelings of inadequacy there. Going into college, I lost a number of friends to suicide in, that, mm. in those years and dealt with depression myself. And so coming out of that and into the world, you know, I, I was very high achieving. I got my degree in psychology, you know. Everybody jokes in the field, you either get into it because you're crazy or your family's crazy. (laughs) But either way, it was incredibly helpful to learn those skill sets. And my plan was to get my PhD in clinical psychology. I was the number one graduate of my university. I got one A minus my entire college career. It was in world history. Still remember that teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And then I was rejected from every graduate school that I applied to. And I thought at that point that my life was over. I I had the five-year plan. I'd done everything that I was supposed to do. I had, I'd gotten a full academic ride for my undergrad. And so I did, you know, what any normal college student would do. I I took off to Nicaragua and I started a travel blog because I just wanted, I think I had just watched Julie and Julia. And (laughs) and I was like, you know, let's just document the downfall of Hillary. I'm a psychologist. We'll just put all this on record and it'll be a way for my friends and family back home to just keep in touch and and see me unraveling as a person. But it was through those experiences and, and these massive explosions in my life where the universe was telling me I could no longer proceed on the path that I wanted to be on that really helped to forge me as a person. And you know, every single one of those moments, I, I was put up against, why am I not good enough? You know, like get every single rejection letter. There's one rejection letter. I have it somewhere still in some drawer that was actually addressed to somebody else. And they <laughs> crossed out that person's name and wrote in my name. And no, then they, they did not. And then they misspelled my name. So, no <laughs> so like talk about feeling small. You know, and as somebody that had always attached my value to my achievement, learning how to overcome that was a big part of my journey. And then being able to connect with people through writing and being vulnerable about that process became so powerful. And then, um, you know, just to kind of do the quick 
recap in 2012, I had just gotten back from living with the Firewalker tribe in Fiji, and they claim to be the originators of the practice of walking on hot coals. They have a lot of mysticism and myth and legends about how their tribe became able to do this. Like sociologists go and study them. And I had just gotten back from this incredible trip, once in a lifetime experience of living with them when I was hit in the chest with a malfunctioning firework on the 4th of July. (gasps) And I suffered second and third degree burns to my body. And once again, you know, this is now two or three years later, I was getting into this groove of being a travel blogger and I had readers in over a hundred countries and I was starting to attach again, my identity, my self-worth to being this writer, this blogger, and my whole world blew up again. And suddenly Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. And I spent six months in Vegas, uh, just hiding out and healing and feeling like Frankenstein. And, you know, for women, you know, your chest is obviously a very feminine energy part of you and not knowing if I'd feel beautiful or look normal again. And doctors didn't know because fun fact, the chest is the slowest healing part of your body. So yeah. And so that's why you see like people that have had open heart surgery, they'll have a scar there on their chest. Uh, It's just in the way our body works. And so I've been hit in the face actually with the firework before it went down my shirt and that healed within a week. But the, the, the chest was almost, I think, seven or eight months. And I was doing a modeling gig in December that year. So we went from July to December. And like just that whole time was really dark for me. And it was some sort of modeling gig with like a James Bond girl type costume and like really low cut dress. And I was feeling very sexy. But then I turned around and saw my scars and I broke down. And I had this moment of, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of throwing myself this pity party. I have to do something. And because I couldn't travel and because, you know, my, my go-to at that point was putting myself in uncomfortable situations. So I decided to enter a beauty pageant because nothing sounded more uncomfortable than being on stage in a bikini and having someone judge you. So we did that. And then I won. And, and so all these, all these moments in my life that are now these, you know, major accolades that I carry and I wear proudly, you know, they only made sense looking back. And there is this, this need to step forward bravely into each new pivot. And they, during my twenties, they happened so quickly, like every six months, something was coming up that was forcing me to have to have a reckoning with my comfort zone and what I believe to be true about the world. And so, you know, I attribute that so much to the growing of my confidence and having to just even realize that I couldn't live like this. I couldn't allow these emotions to be in control. And it wasn't until I got onto the red carpets. It was after I won Miss Nevada, I went to nationals. I won some local blogging awards. USA Today reached out to me that same month. So now we're July a year later, asking if I'd be willing to work with them as an on-camera correspondent and write some pieces. I'd never done professional journalism before, but I said yes and freaked out later. <laughs> and, yeah. That's um, a good motto for life. Yeah. Say yes and I'll freak out later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just just say yes, be enthusiastic. And, and I remember the the interview when they called me to talk about it. And it was the president of USA Today who was on the phone with me. And they're like, okay, so here's what we're thinking. I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And then there was a long pause. And he said, you know, Hillary, we want you to be excited about this. And it's just like, oh, I am. I promise I am. But, you know, it's it, again, like that perfectionist side of you, this starts yeah. like that inadequacy starts. Who are you to, you've never done this before. But it was, it was when I started interviewing celebrities on the red carpet that I realized that everybody's dealing with the same things. We hold these people up to be role models and to this high esteem. Mm. And nobody's talking about the underbelly of what we're all dealing with on a human level. And and so I wanted to be an advocate of change for that. So that kind of was when I really started to focus more on, well, how can I 
one, look back and see how I've actually, and, and dissect what I've done and start to build out content that can help others do that. Because this, no one should be alone in this journey, <laughs> especially us as women. Yeah. So. Okay. So you're kind of getting at this, but I want to really drill down on this. Yeah. And I can see that, you know, our passions are always born out of our stories. So you're, st- I'm seeing the connections already, Yeah. but I'm wondering like why confidence, why if of all the, the passions and the missions to have in life, why are you wanting to gift and especially women, you're wanting to gift them confidence. What yeah. is it about that? That's, that's more important than anything else. So confidence, we can define it as, and Merriam-Webster defines it as the belief that you can rely upon someone or something. So Hmm. if we look at that, what that really means is that regardless of the circumstance that you come up against in life, right? And right now is a fantastic time to be talking about this, right? Like we're living in a world that is so new for everybody. Yeah, There's so many unknowns. We don't, no one knows what 2021 is going to look like, if it's going to be better, worse. So when we're up against challenges and we're up against the newness, can you rely upon yourself? Can you turn to God? Can you turn to your community? And do you have that, that belief that you can rely upon them to get you through, even if you don't know what's coming? And if you mm-hmm. can, if you have that ability to know, I don't know what's out there. I don't know when the asteroids or the aliens are coming, but I know that as long as I'm breathing, I will figure out a way to get it through. Talk about power. Sure. And talk yeah. about peace of mind. Totally. Like women, especially, like we love, we love to control, like we're, we have that maternal instinct, like we want yeah. to protect our babies, we want to protect our fur babies, we want to protect our family and our friends. And like we're constantly run. I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who was talking about how we're always running, you know, those analysis and simulations of like, where's the threat coming from, yeah. right? <laughs> and so like, it's exhausting to be honest. <laughs> and so it's like, if we are able to take a step back and say, I don't have to know what it is, but because I've built the skills to know that I can deal with whatever is going to come my way, like that grounds you, that provides you an opportunity to really be still and not be in that manic space, you know, and then there's the obvious benefits. There's so much research that's coming out about confidence and like authentic confidence being more important to somebody's success in their field than an actual skill set. Confidence is more correlated to success than competence. Like true, very true. And so with that, it's like it also, you know, that helps you to take risks and go after what you want in life and, and be able to communicate effectively and intentionally. I mean, there's so many positive benefits to feeling confident in who you are. And I think we all have this kind of misconception, especially when I started thinking about confidence. In my mind, there's kind of two versions of confidence. One is like a very fabulous flamboyant drag queen. And then the, <laughs> the other is like some high powered jerk of a guy who like drives a Ferrari and nobody likes, who's like constantly just like shouting over everyone in meetings. Sure. But, you know, the, neither one of those really define and embody what we mean. It's like confidence actually at its core is very quiet when it's coming out in a true authentic form, it doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't mean that it can't be, but it doesn't need to be. And so looking at, and especially with my experience, you know, having lost many friends to suicide who thought that life was not worth living and seeing what's happening right now in the social media age, where Mm -hmm. we've got these fantastically smart kids that are coming up and growing up in a world of tech that we have never known before. And you know, we're seeing the research show the correlations between social media use and su- and suicides going up and increasing, yeah. especially among young women. I think it's a 67% increase in teen suicides among young girls in the past five to seven years. So, 
and uh, that might not be the exact number, but it's, it's somewhere in that range. Yeah. So we're seeing massive, abominable numbers due to cyberbullying, due to comparison, due to feeling like what they're looking at is we all know that there's filters involved. We all, but yet we, for some reason to us, it's like, well, we know that it's not real, but it's still realer than how we look at our own lives. And then we take, you know, we're so good at scanning ourselves for imperfections that we can, we will accept what we see in somebody else's life as truth. But then when yeah. we come and look at ours, it's like, well, of course, you know, I'm a fraud, the imposter syndrome. And it's like all these things are hurt and even hurting our ability to communicate and support each other as women. Like yeah. there's so much there. You know, I've recently gotten on TikTok and it's been such a fabulous experimental ground of just seeing how young girls are viewing themselves and other women. And it's just, you know, my content that I'm putting up is very light. It's very superficial, you know, and that's, that's part of overcoming inadequacy is being able to find the humor and the lightness in life. Mm -hmm. But getting into the comments with some of these girls and when they say something cruel to me or to somebody else and say, Hey, what, what's prompted you to say this? And like the, the immediate recoil, it's just very different looking at them versus other platforms and how we in an older generation interact where it's more, I want to say stubbornness, you know, like my viewpoint is the only viewpoint, like they're so willing to learn and grow. And I just think it's so important as, as somebody that wants to be a role model, as someone that's been a role model as, you know, Miss Nevada and these other ways to help them better understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Why they're saying what they're saying and how to help them be more intentional to make their lives better and feel better about themselves and others. Yeah. Okay. I I kind of went off there. So I love it. The the only dilemma I'm having is like, which route do I, because there's so many questions I want to ask about this. I want to have like a whole conversation about Instagram, but I'm going to pause that conversation for a second. We can come back (laughs) and talk about women specifically with confidence. Cause I know the work that you're doing is directed specifically at women. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if, you find women struggle with confidence more than men do? And if so, why you think that happens? And we can go from there. I don't know if we struggle more, but I will say we struggle differently. Okay. Again, I'm a woman. I have a a female point of view. I work mostly with women. And you know, the great thing is I, I find that my content often resonates with men. And I'll get questions from men, especially about dating or how to approach women or not feeling good about themselves. But that's not really my wheelhouse. I do know that women, you know, there's so much research out there. We internalize things. There's so many studies around kids, college age, even younger with math, like in STEM, when men get a math problem wrong, the dialogue in the head and what they'll verbally say to teachers is there's something wrong with this math problem. Like (sighs) I can't get this problem. There's something, this is a tricky problem. Like it's an external issue, but when women have a math problem that they can't solve. It's like, well, I can't get this. I'm not good enough. Like we, we have this way of internalizing it. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, we're, we're obviously treated differently as youngsters. There's so much more of an emphasis of girls needing to look pretty. You look so cute today. You look so pretty today versus like boys. There's more of an encouragement for them to get in the mud and play. You know, there's also predispositions. Confidence is also genetic on some levels, but the, your environment can heavily influence how those genes either show up or kind of recess down. And then women also, if we're talking about in terms of like a basketball game, like if a guy and you know, you got your Michael Jordan, it's the final, the clock's counting down. You got seven seconds left in the game. He got the ball, he shoots and he misses. 
it's like, okay, well, you know, there's always the next game. And it's like, he'll be upset for a minute and then he'll move on. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing a lot here, sure. but just to show, but with women, it's if they miss that shot, I've let myself down. I've let my team down. Yeah. I've let the fans down. And there's a rumination that continues to happen in their head. And so the reverberations of the inadequacy and the lack of confidence continues to ripple out far beyond that moment in time. And I think that there's such an attitude with women and and I've had to learn this myself. It's like when you do something bad question mark or when you do something wrong question mark, I grew up in, in in an environment that made me feel like I then was bad or I was wrong versus I just did a bad thing or I did a wrong thing or I, I messed up but that doesn't mean that I'm a, I'm a bad person. And you see this playing out on social media, right? It's like you see snippets of somebody's life and yeah. the other, the stranger, the viewer is making snap judgments and they are then generalizing that this person is a good person, a bad person, a waste of space person, whatever. And that these yeah. things should happen to these person because of this judgment that they made, which is incorrect because we're looking at just a small piece of a human. So this is how this all starts to play out because then as you're getting those comments, women then internalize that of, okay, well, that must be what I am since that's how I'm being perceived right now. So this is, it continues to snowball out on so many levels. Plus, you know, we're people pleasers. Plus we want to feel accepted. We want to be in a community and we just tend to be the ones that are are going to ruminate more on things, ruminate on stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Maybe not even is on the table to happen. Yes. All of that, that really resonates with me so much. The internalizing, especially mm-hmm. like you're saying, these are generalizations, but I do notice that it's more common for men who I know or men who are in my life to feel like, you know, I, I messed up. I, I made that mistake. I mm-hmm. lost that job. I lost that investment, whatever. Okay. Moving on. I learned from it. I'm, you know, doing the next thing and much more common for myself and the women I know just like you're talking about to feel like, well, there must be something wrong with me. And so I can't trust my own intuition moving forward, or I can't trust my own self in the next endeavor or whatever it is that I'm trying. Absolutely. There's so much emphasis on meaning that we attach to those moments. And women just have an ability to put a negative meaning on a lot of things and creating confidence, building that barrier between you and inadequacy like it's it's never going to go away completely right but because and especially like you might win at one level in your life but there might be others where you still feel vulnerable and you know my my boyfriend's really fabulous you know every now and again something will happen like let's say I'll text a friend and a day later it's like I still haven't heard back from her like I don't know what's going on and so he'll joke and be like well clearly she hates you and you're no longer friends and so he's able to help me like shift that perspective but yeah like in my my mind's going there like is she mad at me did I do something? And yeah. it's like, why, why am I going there? There's, there's a million options. And that's part of what I work on with people with coaching and, and what I'm looking to put out to the world uh, in my, my forthcoming book is all around this idea, especially helping women find a neutral place. So if we think about confidence, one edge of a canyon, and then you've got this giant, you know, 100 foot gap down below, there's a creek running through some donkeys, whatever. And then you're on the other side, which is where we've got inadequacy. And you're trying to scale that leap. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many, there's so many fantastic coaches and gurus out there who give a lot of great advice as far as ways to help grow your confidence. But from my perspective, you can only utilize those tools when you're at a certain level. So it's like, oh, you know, just 
say things that you're grateful for, or, you know, meditate or write down in your journal. And, and those are all very helpful things. But if you're stuck on the side of inadequacy, and you're trying to make that leap across, yeah. like that's a huge jump to make. And you're one, if you make it, you're barely going to be holding on and you're going to think it was luck. It's not skill that got you across. The more likely scenario is you won't make it across. And then no. you got you got to deal with the downfall. And you know what we find, especially with this whole fake it till you make it attitude, is that when you're in a place of feeling emotionally at that edge and you try to fake it, if you do not successfully fake it, you end up sliding further down and even past where you were feeling before. Yeah. So my goal is to help people establish a neutral zone. Like it's just like with your shifting gears in a car, right? You can't go yeah. from reverse to third gear without dropping out your engine. So like look at yourself and your emotions as this, this stepping stone, this bridge that we have to create to get you across. And it might not totally get rid of that, that gap in between where you are and confidence, but it's going to make it so much easier, give you that platform to more sustainably access it. And that's the goal. And so this, this all comes back with, you know, what we were talking about earlier, helping you to change the meaning of things to a more neutral position. And just that alone can shift so much for people. Like you ever think about if you're in a fight with somebody and they tell you to calm down, like, oh gosh, how that, yeah. <laughs> nothing makes me more riled up than someone telling me to calm down. Thank you. Right. So it's like if so, if you're in a place of inadequacy and someone's like, well, just don't you know, don't feel like that, and then I'm just like, yeah. oh my gosh, I just want to strangle you. But if you're fuming and you're angry at somebody and they and they let you feel your emotions and then you come down. And now you're in a space or you've had the cry and like you get past the hiccups and like now you're kind of like sniffling and wiping your tears. There is this neutrality space that occurs in our emotions that then allows us to be receptive to actually having a conversation. It doesn't mean that we're excited to talk to this person or to deal with the situation, but it does mean that we're now in a place where we can actually create progress. So that's yeah. what we're going for here when it comes to inadequacy and confidence. I love that idea of creating a neutral space. And I'm so glad you're debunking this whole fake it till you make it thing. Cause I have, that has always rubbed me the wrong way and that could potentially be personality too, but it makes me crazy. But I think you're right. It's like, it's, you know, if you try to fake it, when you're not feeling it, if it works and you know, for if you're skilled at faking it, then it might work mm -hmm. for a long while, then it could potentially help you make some progress. But it isn't until internally you feel a sense of trust in your own self, <laughs> your own abilities yeah. that you can actually make progress. And so to me, faking it just, it makes you externally maybe seem like you're you're progressing while internally you feel just as inadequate as you felt before. Oh, totally. Well, and then there's the whole element of this is how imposter syndrome comes in, right? Like if yes. you fake it, let's say that you are successful at faking it and you're creating yeah. relationships and people like you. Well, now this, because your talk track is all about that inadequacy, right? You're going to start to think mm -hmm. about, well, do they like me for me or just who I'm pretending to be? Like they don't really yeah. know who I am. Like what if I get found out, right? And this is where we live. Like if we if we try the fake it till you make it, yeah, you can get results there maybe. Again, all the research shows like if you try this and you're not in a good place, it's not going to work for you and it's going to push you further down the scale. But then again, if it does work, now you feel like an imposter. So it's like, to me, yeah. it's just, it's not a worthwhile trend. And I'm so tired of this cliche just continuing to be put out there on this talk track where no one's really thinking through the ramifications of what it means to do this. 
So same, I'm with you. <laughs> okay. So you, you threw out the term talk track. I want you to talk about that for a second because I'm yeah. wanting to give our listeners some practical things that they can do for themselves. I think there's also a connection here to writing. So what is a talk track and how do I know what my talk track is and how can I change it? Yeah. So your talk track, your narrative, what's the story that you're telling yourself? I have yes. this tool called the assumption analysis tool. And it essentially breaks down if you're to you know, divide up a piece of paper into columns. Let's take the first column is the actual event that happened. Now, oftentimes, we skip this step. We don't ever write down what actually happened. We write down what we think happened <laughs> and then how that we think that played itself out, right? Yep. So uh, I'll use an example of, you know, a friend of mine gets an award for something that maybe I also want an award it like maybe it's an Emmy. And so the talk track might go so and so got an award it means that everybody loves her so much more than me and she's succeeding and I'm not and and you just feel the spiral the negative spiral that's happening right so like I've created this this dialogue this narrative this story which is all about my perspective <laughs> in my head that is now not serving anybody but we're yeah. so good at that and then we're also good at convincing ourselves that that's the reality what actually happened my friend received an award now, I don't know how that came to be. Could have been that she was approached about it. Could have been she's been submitting it for years. I've never heard anything about you know, the fact that she's been trying and trying and trying and been getting rejected every single year for the past decade. I don't know. But mm -hmm. she won an award. Second column is the feelings. So it's like, what does this mean about me? What does this thing that happened that isn't about me? What do I think that says about me? And we have really three options. The first one's obviously the negative. It means that, you know, she's ahead of me. I, I will not be successful. People like her more than me, whatever that is. And that's when you're in this place of inadequacy. That's the talk track that you're going to be putting forward. Now we can mm -hmm. also create a positive one, which is, well, she did it, which means I can too. And I can follow her example. But even with this positive narrative, we've now put like limiters on how we can get to this place of success because we've now decided that there is a finite meaning for how we can yeah. get somewhere. So the real magic and what no one ever does <laughs> is pulling the neutral meaning, which is, oh, this fact, this situation, this event that occurred actually has nothing to do with me. Mm. And like what freedom comes so with that? <laughs> so then we look at future, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, you have the fact, what actually happened? What, what is the feeling that I'm attaching to this? And what am I, what does this mean about me? What have I decided that this means about me? And then what does that say about my future? So if we go with the negative of like, well, she's done it. So I can't very grim future, very sad future, yes. very, very small future with the positive again, like, okay, it creates a path of, well, she did it. So I can too. I can follow in her footsteps. I can get her mentorship. There's a path there, but it's now a very narrow path. And so, but then again, neutrality, freedom. Because it means yeah. nothing about you. You can do anything you want. How great is that? So the best place to start with your talk track is just get clear on the facts. Because so often, especially as women, we just dive right into what something means about us without actually considering what actually happened. And this is where miscommunications and relationships really pop up. This is where, yeah. you know, it's like the age old discussion around like dishes. And it's just like, I just want you to do the dishes. Well, why would I want to do the dishes? It's, yeah. like, it's not about the dishes. It's about me. So this is where <laughs> we have to get into like what actually happened. And again, by just, by just stating things in a neutral place. And I I've been doing this for myself over the past six months and really trying to use this tool. And it's amazing how it immediately centers you by just stating what is. And so then, true. 
And then it's like, okay, this is this is what happened. We lived through a tornado in Nashville at the very beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and it came within a few blocks of our home. And so the talk track was, we all we could have died. Yeah, and like this is terrifying. But the reality is, it's like, well, what happened? Well, we were very close to a natural disaster, and yeah. you know, it's still heavy. But it's not nearly as emotionally investing and it doesn't take nearly the energy from me to have the other narrative. So, you know, we are the authors of our life story. Yes. And so I encourage all of you guys out there that are here with us today to look at your narrative. And I, you know, the best way that I started just becoming aware was asking my friends when I'd have phone calls with them to keep track of when I would get negative and be like, Hey, there's that, there's that negative talk track again, and helping keep me accountable for my language around Mm -hmm. myself and situations and how I was talking about others. And so even just like getting an accountability buddy in this can be super helpful. And also, you know, one of the things I teach people to do is use their daily writing practice to notice mm-hmm. their negative talk track. I mean, I don't, I've oh, never yeah. called it a talk track, which I love, but you, you see the narratives that are playing in your head when they come out on the page. If every yep. morning you're writing, you know, it's such a hard day. I'm so stressed. I'm so, if you see yourself writing the words over and over and over again, like stressed, or sometimes you see someone's name popping up again and again and again, and you're like, why is this person showing up so often in my narrative? it's a great way to identify the fact that you have these narratives happening. Oh, yeah. Okay, I want to talk about Instagram. Okay. You say that your mission is empowering women to power their dreams, careers, and Instagram feeds. And yes. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by this and so excited to talk to you about this because just to preface and provide some context, I speak about Instagram to the authors that I work with and on this podcast, sometimes with a bit of a negative slant and because it's easy <laughs> to be negative about Instagram. Of but basically my point is like, why are we so fixated on Instagram and getting Instagram followers when it doesn't just because you have a bunch of Instagram followers doesn't mean that you've really practiced your craft of writing and that you're sharing a meaningful mm-hmm. message with the world. However, having said that, one of the things I've been so inspired by watching you with your Instagram is Instagram can also be an incredible tool to teach and share and create positive change. So can you talk about your approach with Instagram and kind of like how you see it as a tool in your work? Yeah. You know, when I think about my career path and when I was a travel blogger, you know, at the time, early 2010-ish, you know, decade ago, gosh, blogs were the social media where Mm -hmm. you would connect with people and be able to share your thoughts and your life. And, and now we can do that in a lot shorter format. And uh, and I love it. I, I love Instagram because one of, of its very imagery driven nature. So first and foremost, like we, we've got this visual platform. It feels a lot lighter <laughs> than some of the other platforms yeah, that yeah. I exist on sometimes. As far as content goes, it's the place where I feel like I'm, I'm pushing as much like personal development as people can stomach, you know, reading about and every caption that I, I throw out there. But the beautiful thing about social media, and even, you know, going back to my travel blogger days is it gives you an opportunity to connect with people that you otherwise would never have had the chance to talk to. Mm-hmm. And if we think about, let's think about your followers, for example, like, let's say that you, you put up a, an Instagram story, and it gets seen by five people. Well, that's a zoom call of a meeting, that's a meeting room worth of people. Let's say it gets yeah. seen by 50 people, that's a classroom that you went and spoke to. Mm-hmm. Like if it gets seen by 150 people, like that could be a small auditorium, 500 people. So it's like when you're, we have these delusions 
about follower count, because again, we think that there's some sort of correlation between that and the value that we give. But when Mm -hmm. you think about like you going out and speaking to a group of people that size somewhere else and getting their attention somewhere else, what would that look like in an everyday format? It becomes incredibly powerful. So powerful. That's such a helpful reframe. Yeah. And again, like, you know, thinking about that, like the goal also, and I think as a writer, it's so important for you to be constantly trying to get clearer and clearer on your messaging and clearer and clearer on your branding and clearer on the problem that you solve. And one of the ways to do that is to practice in public. I'm a big believer in that. Jeff Goins is a a fantastic writer. Lives in Nashville, actually. Um, And that's one of his proponents as well is is practice in public. And you're going to get feedback from people and and find out what resonates and and what they like. And again, it's the more that you talk about it, the better you're going to be able to explain it and help people to work through it. Again, it's, it's such a practice for me of having to sit down and write things out. Just if you were to do that, let's say you did a couple Instagram posts a week for a year, that could be the basis of your book. You can totally. go back and look at some of these foundational concepts and say, what do I actually believe? What have I been writing about? What matters mm-hmm. to me and what has resonated? And you've, you've now kind of created a test audience that you didn't have to pay for or spend any additional time recruiting. So again, you know, there's, there's tons of ways to look at everything. And going back to like, what's the meaning that we want to give something? If my Instagram, you know, post gets 20 likes or five comments or whatever, it's like, those are five people that are engaging with me around the country, around the world that, and I I have followers in every freaking country. You know what I mean? It's like, I would never, I would never be able to touch the lives of people in India or have these conversations with, you know, girls in Czechoslovakia or, uh, you know, UK or wherever, if it wasn't for these kind of platforms. I think it's the Czech Republic. I I said Czechoslovakia. I don't, does that exist anymore? I don't think so. I think it's Czech Republic. Man, see, and I used to be a travel blogger. I can't even, (laughs) can't look at me. (laughs) I'm trying to be visual in my examples. I'm I'm pulling up a, it's like Istanbul or Constantinople, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Humor is also a great tool for overcoming inadequacy. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, getting getting comfortable with the fact that we all, yeah, that we all make mistakes. Imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm going to tell you a real time resistance that I have to my own Instagram and tell me about it. You can put you through some 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 therapy. So (laughs) I look at other people's Instagram because you talked about it being such a visual platform and I'm a writer. That's Mm -hmm. like my first love and passion. So I look at Instagram and I, especially, so I'm like on your Instagram right now, I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm like, how do people wear makeup every day? Like, I don't even know how this happens. Like, I don't know how your fingernails are painted. Like, do you know what I mean? And I, I'm like, how do I, how do I share photos on Instagram that people want to look at that are also at least somewhat congruent with my day-to-day life? teach me. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, I do not wear makeup every day and the days that I have to wear, okay. I didn't know how to do my makeup when I was missing about it. Like true story here. I, I had to pay people every single event that I did to do my hair and makeup because I was so inept. I have picked up mediocre skill level over the years, <laughs> just by necessity and like not being able to afford the lifestyle that I want to have for myself. So I'm still like applying makeup with my fingertip. So I don't know if we're yeah, on the same level of yeah. makeup, <laughs> but I'm still like 
Yeah, I, I, I hate it. I, I was so excited when this was just a, an audio interview. <laughs> it, just, it meant that I got to save some time this morning. So first of all, I get it. I understand it. And yeah, like this is where we, we talk about, you know, the manicure look of Instagram. I have had to recently get uncomfortable with not looking amazing in these videos that we're doing for my Facebook watch page, which is again, very lighthearted content because we have to film so much. Sure. And I just, I don't have the time or the desire to be, you know, running out to the salon every few days to yeah. get my nails done, hair done, whatever. And then, you know, even just shooting videos, you're going to get sweaty and hot and makeup's melting down your face. So I myself have had to get used to this concept of being my imperfect self and like thinking about your brand. Your brand is not about perfection. Your brand is not about polish. And so like when we think about images that you want to be sharing with the world, I encourage you to look at what does your brand value? Now, a lot mm. of the stuff that I posted recently, you know, we, we've been hosting content, a lot, a lot of old photos because, you know, no one's traveling or doing anything right yeah. now anyway. And it's like, you know, everything can have filters. There's Facetune. That's a great trick if you, if you want to be able to look more polished without having to actually do the things. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love me a good Facetune, you know, airbrush over my face. Yeah. But again, just like thinking about like the mood, the vibe that you want to be putting out there. And, and how you can portray that in photos. And I don't think it's about like, look, there's always going to be somebody that's judging your nails, that's judging your earrings, that's judging your hair. And I used to be really caught up with this. When I first started doing like comedic monologue videos years ago, I would obsess over the littlest things. And, and even in my monologue, when I was writing about where people were going to have issues with how I was putting something together. So as an example, I did a monologue called why having a girlfriend's like having a cat, <laughs> super serious. I, I painted on whiskers. I had cat ears. I, I, I got a friend of mine to play my boyfriend and we kind of walk through. It's like, we'll disappear for hours on end. You have no idea where we've been. We won't give you an explanation. Like we, we hate getting our hair wet, you know, just, oh, we can fix it on something for hours. Like, you know, don't try to tell us what to do. Anyway, it, it was, for me, it was such a creative, fun exercise. And I was getting like these creative downloads that I wanted to put out and share with the world. And, but I was getting stuck. I was getting stuck in the, in the not producing, not putting it out there quick enough because I was doing exactly what you're doing right now with Instagram and thinking about, well, my nails aren't done. My hair looks funky. The lighting's weird. I said mm. that line weird. And, and yeah, when you get stuff that's shared with 10,000 people, 15,000 people or above, or, you know, whatever that number is, there's probably going to be somebody in there that's picking you apart, but it has nothing to do with you. It's because they pick themselves apart. Yeah. And so like, you're just a reflection. Whatever they're saying about you is a reflection of what they're doing to themselves. And when yeah. it, it took me years of just having to continue to put content out there and then realize what this was costing me, the hours that I was spending overthinking this and not producing more and yeah. the opportunities that I lost because I was too afraid of coming across as imperfect, which I was going to be anyway. So it's been fun. I, I, I said I recently got on TikTok. I posted a video where I messed up some words. This video has now got 7 million views. And with it have come tens of thousands of comments about the words that I said wrong. And at first I was like, gosh, I cannot believe like this is what people are taking away from this. And then I thought about it and it's like, yeah, let me use this as an opportunity to yes. continue my platform. So I've responded back 
I mean, it, it took me a while, but I responded back to yeah. almost every single person. I was like, yep, I'm a human. And sometimes I do human things. How about you? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's amazing. Like when you're able to, again, we frame it and the narrative and the talk track that matters to us. And if we're able to settle it for ourselves, there's actually a great Georgia O'Keefe quote, and I, I have it up because I wanted to share it with you. This is the perfect time. This quote, like really kind of changed my perspective on how I show up on social media which is, I have already settled it for myself. So flattery and criticism go down the same drain and I am quite free. Oh, that's so good. So if you're able to settle it for yourself, Allison, that you don't need to show up in a certain way. And in fact, your brand will be more authentic. You will come across Mm -hmm. as more confident by not having to look a certain way or feel a certain way. And in fact, by doing so, you're probably going to impact some young girl somewhere who yeah. needs to see a regular woman showing up and living her le- her best life yeah. without all of this pretense? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm power having there. This moment where I'm realizing that it's really what's holding me back. The resistance is my own talk track. It's not even mm-hmm. what someone else would say. It's like. I'm looking at your Instagram and I have the story that's going on in my head that says like my nails should be painted and I should be wearing makeup. And, but that's just a story that I've told myself. So, well, and that's the only way that people can hurt us when it comes to online, right? It's like, well, if, if someone was to put in the comments, like you're a terrible writer and you know, you should never write something again. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) like clearly you're delusional. But if I am like, there have been like on these videos where somebody, you know, has said, something about like, oh, her nails look funky or what, you know, whatever her makeup's off. Like, why doesn't she know how to do her makeup? Which I've gotten all these comments, by the way, people love to be angry and and give their voice to things in ways that don't actually show or or authenticate themselves. It's so funny. And again, this video is about a cat, about girls being like cats. Like we're not low, low, stakes could not be lower here. Right. Um, But the only, I realized that when somebody says something that I feel about myself, that's when I internalize it. That's when it hurts. And that's when it's hard. And that's where you get the fear is because you have these beliefs. It's exactly what you were saying. You have an underlying core belief that because you're showing up in this way, it means something about you. And so Mm. if you're able to pull away that meaning and say, you know what, in fact, my art, this writing, these photos, whatever it is that I'm sharing, doesn't have to say anything about me specifically, like there's such a freedom that comes with that. And like people's interpretations, you can't control that. You can't control how someone's going to interpret any of your work. Mm. I remember going to, um, Elizabeth Gilbert came through Nashville pre-COVID end of last year when she was doing her City of Girls book tour. And somebody asked her in this auditorium, you know, gosh, E Pray Love got a lot of criticism. Like, how did you deal with that? And (laughs) She and like the room got quiet and she responded back with, well, I didn't write that book for 15 million people to read it. Yeah. And oh, darn, 15 million people read my book and some of them didn't like it. Like not my target audience, you know? So you've got to just, I I think it's so important for you to, again, settle with yourself, what these things mean about you, what, why you feel like you have to show up this way. And if you don't, what are the ramifications that you feel or fear are going to show up for you? And then how can we create a different talk draft, different narrative, different story to then serve your ultimate purpose? You know, and, and the more that it just came about, I got to create content to create content. And it's not really about me at all. 
it's about the messaging that I'm putting out there. It's yeah. about, and you know, even just the silly content, it's about the messaging and, and, and us having fun. And even just the practice, the practice of putting yourself out there in imperfect ways and allowing the world to do what the world's going to do. And you just keep on keeping on again, like the power, the resilience, that authentic confidence that starts to build and that you can, you have the belief that you can rely upon yourself or someone or something to get you through whatever, whatever those comments are. We give way too much power away to the what ifs of social media and the peanut gallery. That's my, that's my mm. TED talk opinion. So thanks for coming to my beautiful, talk brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> so good. Okay. I have this one last question that I always ask people. I'm curious what writing looks like in your life now. What role does it play? I, I write every morning. I, ha- I do my morning pages. And just like we talked about before, getting out those thoughts, getting mm-hmm. out those talk tracks, being able, just releasing it from my my space of rumination and like allowing those wheels and, and cogs to get unclogged with that is, is where I start every day. It shows up in the captions of these social media posts, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I do these little mini, mini blogs about things that I find are important or intriguing or, or worth talking about to my audience and to my friends and, and those that you know follow me. And again, like it's just mini book work is how I like to think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Building a back catalog of blogs right now and then also working on my own book. And then even with this content that I'm working on for you know the social media and the Facebook watch page and TikTok, you know, there's a lot of fun comedic monologue writing. And I find that when I'm able to let go of the perfectionism, the creativity can more easily flow because I'm not judging it as it's coming into my life. And just the ability to ex- be open to that and allow mm-hmm. it to show up and come out how it needs to come out. And then we can, you can always edit and refine later, but it, it gives me more flow and allows me to stay in flow. Amazing. So that's, that's where it's showing up for me. Oh, so good. Hillary, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right. We have to find a way to go get coffee or something. We'll go sit on a patio somewhere where it's Absolutely. each other in person. Yes. yes. Thank yes. you so much for doing this with me. Thanks for being here today. I know our of listeners course. are going to love this and literally nugget after nugget after nugget that I'm going to remember from today. Oh. So thank you. Yay. Oh, you're so welcome. And if you're, you know, if you guys are looking for some quick, simple steps to help you get started on your confidence journey, I have a free workbook on my website, four steps to quick confidence, which will help you start to look at some areas in your life where you can take the control back right now. Amazing. And you can download that for free. So go get that. Reach out to me. What's your website? Hillarybillings.com. Amazing. With one L. Hillary one L. H-I-L-A-R-Y. Uh-huh. Amazing. Billings, Billings, okay. Montana. <laughs> Everyone go download that. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Hillary. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.